0: I am so concerned about being perfect that I'm afraid to do anything. The key is, yeah, what happened was I threw it down, but the bounce is what brought it back up. And that's us, we're the bounce. We, we're defined in the bounce. It's more about the more work that I do on myself, the easier it becomes everywhere else. There's no way to lose if I give my best and I give my all and I walk away with a lesson
1: Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's wonderful to have you here. I hope you're having a beautiful day. I know that today I am. I'm Jess and I'm the host of this podcast. I had a career in the corporate space, a very successful career as a corporate strategist. And at this phase in my career, I am a full-time podcaster, and I'm also a coach for women in the nine-to-five space. I help women find their voice. I help them build confidence. I help them get promoted and get on the career path of their dreams. So if those are things that you want, you are definitely in the right place. Today, I have a return guest, Bryn. I had her on almost exactly a year ago. Her first time on the show was October of 2020, so we've really come full circle, and I enjoyed that conversation so much. I knew I wanted to have her back again. I knew there was more that I wanted to talk about with her. And if you are someone who is interested in the inner work and mindset and how to change your career from the inside out, you will love this conversation. I believe that mindset, which I use as an umbrella term for all of the work we do inside of us is the most powerful catalyst for your career growth. I think sometimes we think, oh, the way that I'm going to grow and build confidence and have the career I want and be the powerful woman that I want to be is by learning all these communication skills and learning these techniques and tips and tricks. And that stuff is really important. But mindset is the engine that helps you learn how to feel brave enough to take everything you're learning and actually put it into practice in addition to knowing what to do You need to be able to give yourself that little nudge that little prod to do these brave scary actions so that you can bring your voice out and get recognized and evolve into a powerful leader and i'm so excited for you to meet bryn hopefully for the second time i will link her first episode below in case you want to go back and hear part one and before i dive into this conversation I want to invite you to visit the free resources page on my website. You can find it in the show notes or by going to JessGazetteCoaching.com slash free resources. And I have a few different things on there and I suggest you grab them all. I have an ebook on assertiveness, which helps you work through some of the things that might be preventing you from being assertive at work. I also have a free three part video course called Speak Like a CEO, which teaches you the three foundational skills of executive presence and communicating like a true executive so that when you speak in a meeting, People watch you and think, oh, she knows what she's talking about. She's confident. She's authoritative. These skills are intended to help you achieve that result. And you will also find a workbook on your professional reputation that goes with episodes 148 through 150 to help you define what you want your professional reputation to be and identify the places where you can start building it. To grab one or two or all three of those resources, go to justguessitcoaching.com slash free resources or pop into the show notes to find the link. And now, let's meet Bryn. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I had such a good time talking to her. So let's dive in together.
0: Awesome. All right. So my name is Bryn Drescher. I help elite athletes manage the mental and physical demands of their sport so that they can master the skills necessary to scale to the highest heights that they want to go with their sport, even if they're not well-known or highly recruited.
1: Ooh, that description already got me pumped up because like, I can feel like the mojo of your mindset work in that description. Good, good, good. I love it. And before we even dive into mindset, actually, maybe we can give a little perspective to people listening of like, okay, Brynn works with athletes, and I'm sure there's some athletes listening, but many of the women are just kind of in that corporate nine to five space. Mm -hmm. Why does this all matter for them?
0: I think it's important because athletics is just the vehicle, right? And so corporations or the job that you're in is just the vehicle on how we're shaping ourselves or developing ourselves or our mindset, right? So in any sort of pursuit you're just pursuing excellence, the best you can be. And so your vehicle may be, you know, like I said, corporate world, nine to five, whatever it is. And that's what's going on for my athletes. So how it relates is if you think about it, there's a lot of demands on us in this world when we're trying to go for the highest heights of our career, whatever that is in whatever modality we choose. So I think it's really important just to recognize that whatever I share today is still applicable to you, even if I use a sports analogy or anything like that, because the The major thing for you to get is, is that I am just focused on the mindset of the athlete and then they're going to use that to plug it into the sport that they
1: love. But ultimately I'm just after
0: making better people in this world.
1: Oh my gosh. I love that. And the word excellence really stuck out to me and it really made me think about like this distinction between perfectionism and excellence. I would love to get your thoughts on that.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So there's a difference, obviously. Perfectionism is a paradox, right? It's this idea of standing still. So I am so concerned about being perfect that I'm afraid to do anything. So in excellence, the thing about excellence is the only way you got better at something, see confidence. Let's talk about confidence too in the the pursuit of excellence, right? It's like, how do you develop confidence? Repeated actions over time. That's it repeated action over time. I'm an excellent walker because I do a lot of walking. That's it. <laughs> I've gotten better at it. I'm a great talker because I've done a lot of talking, right? And when you plug that into whatever you do, right? So we become excellent and confident in repeated actions over time, but there's going to be some mistakes. There's going to be some missteps, but see the thing about it is, is that it's still so many lessons and feedback and then adjustments in that process in the pursuit of excellence, as you're developing in anything, you're going to have mistakes. You're not going to be perfect. But the one thing, there's a great movie that I like called When the Game Stands Tall, and it always resonated with this, and it's a perfect effort. A perfect effort. So not a perfect game, but a perfect effort. As long as you're giving it your best, then whatever you produce is going to be perfect in the sense that you gave it a perfect effort. And there's going to be lessons and tweaks and things. And then there's another opportunity to give your best from that new point of the last time you gave your best. So I think that that's a good distinction to make because perfectionism is where I am actually setting myself up for failure from the beginning because I'm pursuing something that one can never achieve. There's no such thing. And so to go back to sports, ladies, those of you that are in corporate, if you're not familiar with sports, there's no such thing as an 100% shooter in basketball not even Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, names you may have heard of before, have made 100% of their shots. They've all gotten excellent in their pursuit of being great shooters. they've They've missed more shots than most of us will ever take in a lifetime. And so I think that's really important for us to recognize that perfectionism has no place in a pursuit of excellence. Because they don't, they don't go in the same direction.
1: I love that so much. And I think it's so, such a helpful reminder. And I think it's so easy to fall into a trap of like, no, but like, if I don't do it well now, it means I can never do it well, because it can be scary. Like, let's say you're building a skill that you're not so good at, or that you've never done. You do have to take that leap of faith when you're getting better at it, that like, no, just because it's hard now, it's going to feel different in the future. And I think that could be a really uncomfortable space to go to.
0: Absolutely. So I told my athletes, for example, like after you miss a a shot, right? And so like you have a missed opportunity at work or you make a mistake, right? Typically what we're doing is we're so down on ourselves that I always say like your team is one man down. Most of my athletes compete in the sport of basketball. So I'm going to use a lot of basketball analogies, but I ran track I've got ice skaters, I've got esports people, I've got volleyball players, I've got them all, okay? But I want to get this in any any opportunity. Your team is one man down and sometimes you're just the team of you because, you know, but the whole point is is that you're not available to what's happening in the now, which is no opportunity wasted or next opportunity waiting, whichever way you want to look at it, okay? In the now is the only place you can create the problem with perfectionism is it has you in two places the past or the future. Because you're so afraid of what happened in the past when you made a mistake so you're carrying that into right the present and then you're so worried that it won't work out in the future that you're so you're in those two places you're trying to have your feet in one place you know two different places and you can't be two places at one time. Cause the only place you can be is in the present. So if you're just willing to take the risk of putting something out there right? Or taking some effort, then all of a sudden you'll have some feedback. And from that feedback, you're going to learn and you're going to realize that this probably, wow, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Right. But while we're sitting here looking at the whole of the task, it's just so monstrous and I want to be perfect. I want to do so good because, and a lot of that has to do with our worth, right? Because we believe that if I don't do a good job, I'm not good. That's also important to get clear on. What is your motivation and also how to distinguish what you do from who you are?
1: Oh, there's so much good stuff in there. When you talked about the past and the future, it really reminded me of how our minds just can cook up so much. And until we take it out of our brain and like look at it, it, those projections can feel so real, right? And I'm curious your perspective for me, like that is so foundational to mindset of like, You just need to see that what your brain is doing is just a thing that your brain is doing and you might be experiencing it as the truth or as really real, but it's actually not a reflection of the here and now. It's not always a reflection of the truth. I was just talking about this with one of my
0: athletes yesterday. So it was like, well, I have a story that if I mess up, I'm a burden. Okay. And so it was like, wow. So where'd you get that from? That's a story we made up. And so now it's like, I can't mess up because I'm now making it difficult for everyone else around me. All right. And so we create these stories and then we, then we look for evidence of said story. And then we get to be right, but we're putting ourselves in our own prison or own box that we then feel like we're locked in, but it's, it's unlocked, by the way, there's no lock, but then we're just like, I'm stuck in this, 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 this cycle. Right. So the whole thing is either change the story or change the action. And, and then the best way to do that is to challenge it to challenge your fears. So if you have a story going on in your head, ask yourself, is this true? Is this true? Is it true? Because with my athlete, I said, well, okay, will people walk out of your life? Yes, but... The people that matter the most, have they ever left despite all the mistakes you've made? Because you've made some whoppers. And I don't know the totality of my athlete's life, but I'm just speaking in general. We've made some mistakes. I come to you as making mistakes. I'm sure Jessica has some that she'd be like, whoa, yeah, I've got some mistakes, right? But the people that mattered the most stayed. They didn't leave. But we have this fear that we will lose something—loss, love—and it all comes back to love. Ayan Lavanzant says it's there's only two emotions: fear and love. So I think it's important to challenge it, interview it, and then also rewrite the story to something that serves you. So in other words, when I mess up, I am still valuable, and I have an opportunity to learn. And my character is defined on. I, I, I did a pose yesterday about the bounce. Right in basketball, the ball, and in, in most sports, the ball bounces. The key is, yeah, what happened was I threw it down, but the bounce is what brought it back up. And that's us. We're the bounce. We're defined in the bounce, the the ability to rebound and in in our resiliency from not what
1: happened, but how we responded to what happened. Yeah, I love that. I also love thinking about if there's a contraction happening or things feel really hard, it's preparing you for an expansion, right? You can only contract so much. (laughs) Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Contraction always
0: leads to expansion. Sometimes we have to pull in to, so so. Sometimes we have to widen our view because sometimes we're being too narrow, and then sometimes we need to focus, right? But everybody talks about focus, but sometimes you need some distance from the situation to get the perspective. It just depends on the situation, but I think it's really important for everyone to get that. Most of you know, like I think it's Oscar Wilde's, like you know, so many crazy things have never happened to me, or maybe it's a Thoreau, but it's like the things I was most afraid about never happened, right? And that's the thing. We create these stories that kind of limit us. And then we live by that and we'll repeat it a thousand times and we'll argue for it. And it really just comes down to like, yeah, you're going through something, but what's, what's here to learn? What am I here to learn about? And then to be able to use that as fuel for your forward.
1: Yeah. Oh, this is so fascinating. And it's making me think of limiting beliefs and also like a limiting belief that you're like super aware. And you're like, I have this limiting belief and a limiting, it is a limiting belief versus like ones that are unconscious that you don't realize that you even have that are just part of your model of like, well, this is just reality. This isn't a limiting belief.
0: Yeah. So I want to talk about that because you use the word reality. All right. So everybody that's listening to this podcast And I don't know if I said this, I feel like I'm having a deja vu moment. So I feel like I said this last time I was here, maybe. (laughs) We're all having a different experience of this podcast. Yeah. The person listening, Jessica, myself, right? So this big R reality doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. There's only your reality, my reality, Jessica's reality, you know, whatever the case is. So I think it's really important to recognize that when it comes to a limiting belief, a belief is just a thought you keep thinking that you've allowed to harden into fact. And I put that in air quotes for those of you that might not be able to watch the visual version of this because I don't think she does a visual version. Sorry, I'm just like, yeah, I'm showing you stuff that you guys can't see. But I think it's important that you grit, that it's just a, a thought you keep thinking. So then we have to examine our thoughts. And like you're talking about, there's four stages of change. There's unconscious incompetence. There's conscious incompetence. Conscious competence and then unconscious competence, which we're all striving to get to, but it's the hardest stage of the process. So most of us don't know what we don't know, right? Like I want to change, but I don't know what to change because I don't even know that, you know, like whatever. Sometimes it's just like, once you start to examine your thoughts, which just means you just start to become aware of them. Like they're passing like a ticker on the bottom of the news or the Wall Street, you know, numbers that you're watching. And then some, you're going to be like, we need to start stamping them approved (laughs) or denied. And that just means, like, it doesn't mean that you need to become hard on yourself because it's okay. You're not your thoughts. So one, you have to separate that idea that you're your thoughts. But you just kind of need to be like, I like to use the analogy and excuse me, Jessica, if you're not a nerd about these, but I love the Lord of the Rings movies. I think of Gandalf on the gate, you will not pass. So we kind of need to let those thoughts, we have to look at them and say, which ones get to go and get to kind of take root and which ones it's like, nope, you're not welcome here. Find a new home. You're evicted, whatever. Use all the different analogies you want. We just have to start sort of becoming aware of our thoughts and recognizing we're not our thoughts. And so when we have that thought, like, it'll never work out, like, huh, where'd that come from? Well, all right. Well, how many, how many things have I done that have worked out? Plenty. Okay. So what makes this the thing that wouldn't work out? That's just, that's some little me's talking. So big me's going, got to talk to little me and say, you know what? I decide it will work out. Thank you for sharing right? Thank you for sharing. And then you just let it go. And you keep going like that. But you have to start to become or a process that can help everyone that's listening is to start to examine your thoughts, interview them, explore them, decide, you know, this one works for me, this one doesn't, and then toss out the ones that don't the rejects sort of like on the assembly line. And then from there, you'll get less of the what you don't want and more of what you do want. But it's a process that takes some energy and effort because limiting beliefs are definitely there. And you'll hear yourself. You'll hear your parents' voice come out of your, or some neighbor that you, you know, influenced you or, you know, or a boss that you used to have. And you're like, whoa, where did that come from? But sometimes examining it and figuring that out and and pulling it out by the root. But if you can't figure that out, don't worry about it. Just decide
1: that, huh, how's this serving me? Serving me to believe this. I love the visual of the conveyor belt. And I'm imagining like good things coming out and then like really wonky things coming out. And it's yeah trying to ride the wonky broken bicycle, but there's also good bicycles coming out, you know? So like when you think the thought, like, I can't do this or I can't change, it's like you p- you're you picking the wonky bicycle and then you're like trying to go somewhere on it.
0: And that's the thing, like we don't get very far with that stuff, but we don't recognize that. And it's also like when I have two rules that I implement with all my athletes, which is And I would encourage everybody listening to take on these two rules, regardless of whether you ever pick up a sport or compete or or just do it recreationally. I don't care. This is about life because the biggest game we all play is life. So technically, I call my course the mental athlete because we're all mental athletes. We're all doing mental calisthenics all day long (laughs) and all that. Rule number one is you create your reality. Going back to what I said before, which is about reality is just of your own design. I'm having my own experience of this, whether I think I'm making sense, whether I think Jess likes me, whether I think you who are listening is finding value in this. I'm having my own experience of this whole conversation, right? So I create my reality. I can also make up a story that Jess thinks I'm a terrible guest and that, you know, she's probably like, whoa, I don't know why I had Brim back again. Whatever. I could have all that mental chatter if I want, all right? So I could create that and I could be like, oh yeah. So someone could ask me afterwards, how did it go? And I'm going to tell a story about that. The question is, was that actually what happened? Right. And so the question is, but for me, yeah, because that's what I decided. Right. But for Jess might be like, no, you were great. Right. Like, no, I didn't have any of that if I were to tell her what my experience was. So that's what I want people to recognize. So you create your reality. And then the question you need to ask yourself is, am I creating a reality I actually enjoy
1: Mm. that
0: i actually want to experience oh my god okay so you need to ask yourself that so if i think the world is against me and it causes me to go through the world in a terrible like everything's so hard and it's unfair and it's unjust and the deck is stacked against me is this fun for me to keep believing that okay so am i creating a reality that i actually am enjoying or wanting to experience okay and then rule number two is you take one hundred percent responsibility for your life. One hundred percent responsibility. Now, for me, I just I put the word responsibility as response, ability. I break them up, ability to respond if you want to reverse them, okay? Are you able to respond to what happens because of the ninety ten rule? Ten percent what happens? Ninety percent how I respond to it. So there's what happens, and there's how I respond to what happens. I'm having this podcast interview. And you're listening to us, and I have the ability to respond and, and decide that I am giving value, or I can just start start to doubt myself, and then start and then just ask me a question. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, uh, I don't know, Jess. Let's skip that question because I'm having some trouble, right? Or I can just have confidence that I'm a subject matter expert on you know mindset, and then keep going. Now, I know I'm talking about myself, but I'm just saying think about your own life, right? And the one thing I want to make a distinction, Jess for your listeners and for those listening is that fault and responsibility are two different things. It's not your fault that it happened, but it is your responsibility to do something about it or to to respond to it. That's it. It's not my fault that I was in foster care at the age of five, but I have a responsibility to decide how I want to
1: use that in my life now, if that makes sense. That makes so much sense. And I think... What you said brought up something so important for me, which is I think it's very easy for people to assume that like, so you sound confident on this podcast, right? So people may have an assumption of like, well, Bryn doesn't have any self-critical thoughts because she sounds confident. So when I have self-critical thoughts, I'm different than Bryn. I'm not confident. And like, no, 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 no. It's just the relationship to the thoughts that is different.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I absolutely have self-critical thoughts or self-doubt at times. I just don't let it take root as much. Now my rebound, my bounce is faster. We call that mistake response in sports, right? So my bounce is faster, but that's through practice application. And I am constantly working on myself. Doesn't mean if I make a mistake later today that I deem to be a big mistake, that I'm not going to wear it for a little longer than I would like. But I've gotten better at putting things in perspective through practice application. Again, my confidence is through practice application of taking those thoughts and like you said, changing my relationship to them. I think it's really important that everyone get that is that when you hear someone else and they sound like they have it all together, that's not the case. It just means that they've gotten to a place where they're able to manage it better, right? Because we're all, like, those thoughts are happening. And and even at higher levels, even your billionaire, Jeff Bezos, has something that eats away at him at moments. But some of the things that may eat away at people that make $30,000 don't bother him right? Because he's got different problems at different levels, right? They they say new level, new devil, right? So a new thing to the sort of conquer a new, a, a new facet of yourself, because as you expand, the world will give you some different version that you will then have to, uh, that will call you to the next highest version. So I think it's just recognizing that. And I think Jesse said it perfectly. It's all about your relationship to your thoughts, recognizing you aren't your thoughts and you have the power to do something about them.
1: For sure. And I think when you're first changing that relationship, it requires trust. If you have been in a certain pattern your whole life and been in the thoughts your whole life, and then you start becoming aware and you want to make these shifts, that can feel very like scary and vulnerable. And it's like, oh my gosh, like are Brennan just lying to me? Am I going to make a fool of myself? Are they making all of this up? You know what I mean?
0: No, absolutely. You could totally say that. And we could be making it all up. Or you could just choose to say, no, it's absolutely correct. So in other words, if this is making sense to you, and this is like starting to speak to your spirit, because that's what happens, right? If it resonates with your gut or something inside of you, and you could be like, but but they could be, this. this could all be not true. It sounds great. And it feels great. But when I go back out there... But see, that's again, you're now making a story that's moving you away from something. So it, now there's, um, what's the word? Cognitive dissonance. So you have the moment where that you were like feeling in resonance and then you go to dissonance because you're like, oh, but that doesn't resonate with my worldview. So then again, do I want to change the story or change the action? I'm going to change the story of my worldview so that this does fit in there because I'm making up the story anyway. So I might as well write a story that actually has me as the hero instead of everyone
1: else. Yes. Oh, I love that. I want to hear what role patience has played both like in the evolution of your mindset and with the people that you support. Where does patience enter into this equation?
0: Yeah. So there's been so many times in my life that I I feel <laughs> I have definitely said this out loud. So I'm just going to say it now. Why do I always have to learn from a mistake? <laughs> like, Why is it always that I make the mistake, the terrible mistake? And then I'm like, oh yeah, a great lesson. For some reason, I just don't, I feel like I don't get the one where I get the win before the mistake, right? In the process, what I recognize is that everything we ever learned, we did from a mistake. It's just the way it is. It's the process. And so recognizing that life is a journey and not a destination, like focusing on the process versus outcome is so important. And that's why you have to have patience. Because for me, what I recognize is I'm never going to be done. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be done until the day I take my last breath on this earth. Right? I'm never going to be done developing, learning, growing, and growth and success all happens outside your comfort zone. Therefore, there's going to be some mistakes because I'm it's, I'm in an uncomfortable area. I'm not as familiar. I'm not as confident in that outside space than I am in these other spaces. So patience been something that's really important for me is to recognize that it's more about the more work that I do on myself the easier it becomes everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Instead of thinking that I have to always go out and make everything and kind of choose the hard journey of like, I got to go make it happen. Patience is so important because the universe will make up the difference for you. Mm -hmm. When you get in alignment and recognize That's been something that's been really powerful for me because then all of a sudden just doors start opening that you're like, how, what? And the how is not your job. So the big thing for me, and I think for everyone and my athletes as well, is to recognize that every time, and just think about it. Think about the last time you had a win, whatever it was. It lasts for about 15 seconds. And I mean that both figuratively and literally because it feels good, but then eventually it's like, okay, now what? Mm -hmm. Right? If you're in sales, Hello, you did you did an amazing month, but now we're in July second, So we're on to a new month sales month goal. It's important to recognize that patience is so important because it's not about the goal. It's about the process. And this goes back to our conversation about pursuit of excellence. It's about what's what's being called out of you through the pursuit of that. And but then once you get to the goal, it's just about the continuing process and evolution. And so understanding that I'm evolving. And that I'm growing and that I'm not trying to arrive Mm -hmm. at a destination.
1: And like to also not fall into the trap of like, well, I'm only willing to exit my comfort zone if it's going to for sure feel good all the time. And I'm not willing to do it sometimes when I don't like the outcome because it's like, actually, you need those times to build the ability to not be so scared that that happens because once you experience it, it becomes way less scary.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to define a win differently than that it had a great outcome. And I think that's what we're talking about. Like I was recently talking on, uh, to another gentleman who's talking about the champion's mindset. And I think a champion mindset is understanding that a win is not based on the scoreboard. It's based on that you gave your best. But how you define a win is really important or how you identify a win. So for me, a win could be that you got out of bed that morning, right? A win can be that you stepped out of your comfort zone and yeah, you got smacked in the face, but now you know it didn't hurt as bad as you thought it would. And so you're willing to go back in and give it another shot, if that makes sense. Kobe says, either I win or I learn. And so understanding that learning is still winning. So really, it's a win-win. Like really, that's what the win-win means, right? That there's no way to lose if I give my best and I give my all and I walk away with a lesson, then I won. The scoreboard of life is not as important because John Wooden is famously quoted as saying, you can give your best and lose and you can like play like crap and win, Mm -hmm. like on the scoreboard. So it's important that you just give your all and through that process, you just became better. You became better in some way because you learned something. And like you said, stepping out of your comfort zone is not supposed to feel good (laughs) because it doesn't. It feels very anxious. And oh my gosh, I'm like, oh, you know, imposter syndrome shows up and all that stuff. But as you navigate that adversity, something is born in you or better said for my reverend that something's being called out of you.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh, I love that. And like one thing that I've discovered recently too, which is so like our brains are just so strange in so many ways, is like I will label something a failure. And then this is where like having a coach is very helpful because then I will look at it with my coach and I'll be like, oh yeah, so like this thing failed. And Then they'll be like, okay, well, tell me like the facts. <laughs> and actually it didn't, like it wasn't even a failure in my limited black and white world. It actually was a success and my brain's just knocking things into the failure bucket.
0: Yep. Thing that's important you said it right there just in what you said the black and white world we need to get out of these binaries there's no such thing as only good or bad <laughs> up or down left or right it we have to get to a place where we understand that and i think this is what happens with a lot of people again we're focused on the final score versus what happened during the game okay again the game of life being the g- biggest game we all play so if you understand that in many sports there's different Quarters, matches, whatever the case is, so similar to you. There's quarters of business, you know, uh, months of the year, what, however you define it, days of the week. But we get to the place of like, okay, my goal was this. So, like for example, my goal was to make ten thousand dollars this month, right? So if that's my goal, then it's like, okay, oh, but wait, I didn't make it. But if I made ninety seven hundred. And I've never made 9,700 in a month before. It's like, ah, I didn't make my goal. (laughs) What what are you talking about? If you didn't have a goal of 10,000, you would have never made the 9,700. So now, and what did you learn in that process? And how can now next month your goal should be not 10,000, but 15? Because now like I'm going, okay, I'm moving the needle because I got close enough right? Because, and what I learned in that is going to make sure that I make 10,000 next month because I know how to do it now. I know how to get as close as possible, or if not, or it's going to call something out of me, or there's a moment where maybe I stopped pushing for part of the day, but it's not. So it's like, okay, 9,700 is a big win. And what are my lessons? Oh, you know what? I didn't ask for business for at least five of those days. So that's probably the reason I didn't make it. So if I asked for what, what happened, if I went hard in the paint for all 30 days, And I still had a a goal that made me stretch.
1: So I think that's really important. Oh, I love that. I want to talk about emotions and I want to get your thoughts on emotions and how you see those as fitting into this work.
0: Emotions are so important because when emotions go up, intelligence goes down. Now, that's not to say that emotions are not valuable because they are. They're barometers. I always call the body like the truth teller, right? In other words, if I'm having like, I experience a lot of my stress in my stomach. So if I'm feeling like, you know, a little tense or anxious, I start to feel a little, and this was when I was an athlete too. Like before a race, I would get super nauseous or like I couldn't eat. I was just so nervous, right? That's how I experience it. Some people get shaky hands and I get that too, but really in my stomach. So I think it's important one to pay attention to where is it showing up in your body and what does that feel like, right? So emotions are a great way to sort of stay in tune with yourself, but also nothing should be ever out of whack. So if you're always sad or if you're always happy, like it's this thing of finding a good sense of calm and not and, and having some peaks, some valleys, but in general, we're trying to find the zen or the you know, the this mythical idea of balance, okay? but you do want to have moments because without without happiness you cannot know sadness and you know some people say that right and i don't i don't know if i 100% agree but i do know that opposites do give context do give context and appreciation okay i think it's important with emotions when you're pursuing excellence to understand that if you can identify the process of pursuing excellence or going for your goals or whatever you want to say that you're going to have days where you're just like, I don't know if I believe in myself and I'm, I'm feeling just anxious and all over the place. Not to let your emotions drive the car because you know we're going to be all over the road because our emotions can be kind of, but to, to make peace with I'm feeling this, but again, don't I over identify with it. So in other words, I'm feeling sadness. What, why is that? Check in with that emotion. Why is this coming up? Oh my gosh, this reminds me of when I was a kid and I, you know, sometimes it's linked to that and maybe that'll come clear to you. But if you can't, don't go too far down that rabbit hole. Just say, okay, well, I'm feeling sadness and then let it pass. Kind of like those thoughts again, that conveyor belt. We got to let those emotions be there, but not identify or attach ourselves to those for so long because emotions come and go just like
1: you know, uh, thoughts. Yeah. I think sometimes we don't realize what lengths we're going to, to avoid a hard emotion. Absolutely. I think we
0: do a lot to. Well, it's like, okay, I'll give you an example. I was just talking to a mother the other day and she said her son, he, well, I happen to know he's very gifted in track and field. She said, well, you know, like he'll just decide not that like, kind of phone in a race sometimes. And so he's decided to perform at less than his capacity because he doesn't want to risk the emotion that he might feel if he loses, right? And so, and just to use that for the rest of us in our lives, we try to play it safe or we try to even hurt other people so we don't have to, you know, like, so we're doing all these things, but it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because it doesn't really work, right? I'm doing all this, even in my relationship, I'll do a lot to try to avoid making my girlfriend hurt, but then somehow I'll still, she'll end up getting hurt. And I'll still get the feeling of that, even through my process of trying to manage all that instead of just being authentically like, Hey, I'm feeling something here. Let's talk about it. So it's really important to allow, like I said, make a good relationship with your emotions because I don't believe they don't have a place. I, like I said, I think they're highly valuable. And I think that you know, when you, just like anything, if you stuff it down long enough, it's going to come out somewhere else that you don't want it to be. So I think it's really important to make peace with it and, and, and to take them along with you. Just don't let them drive all the time. They're just indicators. I heard a great analogy. And I think I said this last time I was here too, again, having another moment. Emotions are like those things on the road that like make a loud noise. If you go out of the lane, mm. Like, in, like to wake you up the rumble strip kind of like, whoa, I'm off the lane there. And that's what emotions are. They're trying to keep you on the, you know, they're letting you know something's out of whack here. There's some, you know, something's not feeling great or when it's a sad or a mad emotion. And then other times when you're just happy, that's good too. But they always say, don't drive happy because your awareness is, so, you know, you're just in the clouds. So it's good to know that like your emotions are good and they're taking you in different directions. But if you let them drive, you would literally be swerving all the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. And like, that doesn't mean don't feel that. No, not at all. Yeah. I think it's such an important distinction because I think so often, especially in a corporate space, people feel like they have to have a really thick skin and all that stuff. And I, I think that there's something to be said about finding spaces in our lives to feel what's coming up. You know, there's so much power in that.
0: Absolutely. I think that you should feel your emotions 100 percent, especially when we're talking about mental health. Right. Like and, and and let's talk about the word mental health. Like, you know, like I'm having a new movement around this, which is just let's just talk about health. Health is important to pay attention to all areas of like emotions are a natural part of us. So they should not ever be suppressed. They should be felt like anything. It's just not attaching ourselves to them. We should never suffer. Right. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. So I can feel it. I can experience it. But if I'm experiencing it for days and days and days, then there's some attachment there now. I've become one with this emotion to a point where I'm like, okay, now I'm holding it for a long time. And just like anything, if you hold it long, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. So we have to get to a place where we feel our emotions. We allow them to pass. And for whatever season that is, but we also recognize that we are not our emotions. Again, not that this is not, I am, you know, I am not sadness. I am experiencing sadness right now. And I know that this too shall pass. So I think that's important.
1: I love that. And speaking of this too shall pass, I'm really curious of your perspective. Like if you're working with someone and they're kind of in like a messy middle, right? They're kind of like in a harder patch of their growth. And you can see that their mind is kind of getting the best of them. How are you thinking about that? Like, what are you trying to guide them towards?
0: The biggest thing that I would use in that instance, if I had, if I have clients in that situation, or the biggest thing that I do use is one, I want to say, okay, all right. What is one thing that you can be grateful for, even in the midst of this. So for example, we all just went through a really, you know, interesting time in the world, probably one of the, I would say, I mean, I guess with world wars and whatnot, but like one of the, well, definitely in my lifetime, the last time I remember the entire world experiencing one thing at the same time in every country, in every corner of the earth, it would seem, right? But when we look back on the last year, despite all the loss, despite all the difficulties, it's like what was something that was you could be grateful for even in the midst of all that. So, and like as I'm in this dark, messy middle, right, I'm grateful that I have the ability to just sit. I have the luxury to sit in this right now. That you know, it, it, because I get to feel this. I, I have to right. I would just work with them because I call it the gratitude ladder you're somewhere where you're stuck right and you need some way to get some perspective so even if you only go from you know dare i use the word depression to anger that is momentum if that makes sense and so if we can find a way to go somewhere on that scale we get some movement in some direction through perspective of gratitude or just reflecting like like you kind of said like hey i'm a failure i'm having a really tough day i can't believe everything fell apart and it's like okay And well, what are you grateful for in the process of pursuing this failure? In what you're feeling right now, is there anything that you could be grateful for? And they might say, no. I say, okay, and I'm gonna keep working at it. So I'm gonna come at it as many different ways because my job as a coach is to give you some perspective because I have a different, I have some altitude on this situation. I get, a, I get I have a little bit more of a bird's eye view and I'm not as attached in my identity to what you're going on. Obviously, most coaches don't coach themselves because we equally are just as blind to our own blind spots, right? But that's what a coach does. A coach comes in and says, huh, and my job is to try to lead you to connect a dot because once you connect it, it's more solid. If I connect it, you hear it. It sounds good. Oh my gosh. You're listening to this podcast. You're like, wow, she's really wise. I should work with her (laughs) or, or I think she's great. I'm going to go out and take action on that. And it feels good. But when you make the connection and decide like, Oh, something opens up inside of you. That's when the true transformation happens. I'm just here to highlight, help, guide, you know, cajole, whatever the case is. So my thing would be definitely massaging that situation to find some sort of light somewhere amidst all that darkness and clouds. Because the cool thing about the sun is that even if it's blocked out by the clouds, it's still there. So we've just got to find some place where there's an
1: opening. Oh, I love that. That reminded me of a podcast I was listening to where she was telling a story about like struggling building her business. And she said to her coach, like, I just want to quit. It's so hard. And her coach was like, so quit. So
0: quit. Exactly. (laughs) Wait, I don't want to quit. (laughs) Right. And then it becomes right. Exactly. Like I was just talking on a live just earlier and somebody's like, I want to spend money, but. I'm not sure if this is the right investment for me. Should I just keep doing the investing I'm doing on the level that I'm doing? And she's talking about investing in a course or something that she believes is going to make a difference. And I said, okay, well, do you want to, and the course was $2,500. Do you want to charge $2,500? Yes. I mean, her yes was so clear. Yes. Okay. Do you think this is the person? And she was like, yes. And I was like, wait, now, did you notice the difference between those two yeses? One was really clear and the second one was kind of like i think yeah i mean i like her you know it's kind of like yeah i mean i mean she's cool or he's cool i mean i i'm hanging with him right so we want to make sure that it's a clear yes it's a clear yes so like it's like i want to quit okay quit no you're supposed to tell me not to quit okay well which one is it what do you want know? <laughs> right yeah. so it's like our job is to push you to a point where you just have to make a decision And you have to say, well, wait a minute, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to be making me feel better. My job is not here to you know, stroke your ego, although I'm gonna be very delicate because I do think it's a nuanced process to push someone. It's not, I mean, there are people that will just totally, and if you wanna hire that person, that might not be me. I am good at finessing and finding my way in in the small cracks that you're gonna give me for me to help you find that epiphany, right? And so the big thing was, is like, I'm not saying this isn't the person for you. I said, but you need to be clear that this is the avenue you want to go in because that's what the universe rewards is that clarity. And if you're not clear, then yeah, get it. You know, like, well, I'm hiring this person because they are a clarity coach. Well, then, yeah. But it's like, but I like them to be the one that's going to, you know, shine the light in my darkness. So I think it's really important to make sure you resonate strongly with your decision to move forward in whatever decision you're, you're looking at, whether it's to work with somebody, whether it's to end your business, but it's like, you really just, you're, you're looking for somebody to join in with your complaints. Like, yeah, I just, yeah, you're right. You're yeah. Okay. And you you, yeah, it's hard. Of course, you know, oh, poor you, but it's like, okay. So why don't you quit? Well, I don't want to quit. Exactly. So now that we know we don't want to quit, how is this serving us? Sure. We got a vent. We got it out of ours. Now, what are we going to do? Okay. Cause that's not going to make it any better. It's only making us feel heavier. If I feel terrible and I continue to complain, then I'm just feeling more terrible. <laughs> you need something that's going to call you up
1: to, okay, I got that out. Now what? Yeah, it's true. And sometimes we want to stay comfortable, you know, and we want that buy-in of like, yeah, like it's fine. And I think we have to really read into our inner barometer of like, who's You know, there are times when it's like, I need to rest. I need to pause. Now is not the time to push myself. So we really need to like feel into that thing in us that says, like, no, I should do this and take the leap. And it's just fear getting in the way. It's just my ego getting in the way versus like those times where it's like, you know, this isn't the right thing right now. And I feel good about that decision.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's so important. And that's what I was trying to get across to her was, sometimes we're spending or investing money because we think that this is going to be our quick fix. Mm-hmm. Like if I do this, they're telling me if I spend money, I'm going to get the return. And so I'm going to do it. I'm like this, I got to jump on this. But if you're worried, if you're doing it because you're like, Oh, I'm, I do I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on this opportunity, but I'm not, you know, I'm not really ready. Like you have to have some sort of resonance with this is the right time for me. Like you said, there's a difference. It's not the fear is going to be there. That's normal. The butterflies, oh my God, there's more money I've ever spent in my whole life or whatever. Those are are supposed, that's, that's pretty normal. It's just when you're not clear and you spend money in not clarity, then you're going to get not clarity in return. So we have to at least be clear that this is the step that I'm taking. I don't have to have all the answers. I want to make that clear, okay? I don't have to have all the answers, but I know that by spending this money, it's going to come back to me tenfold. I don't know how. And But I know that in this avenue, this is the right way I want to move forward. Then that person becomes just a part of the process. And then it's not so important whether they're going to be the one that's going to get it for you, because ultimately they're not. It's going to be you.
1: Yeah, I think that ability to become a really strong decision maker is a huge confidence booster to like hone your decision-making process, to make powerful decisions, to not indulge in second-guessing. When I think about like what has contributed to my own growth, one of the biggest ones is changing my relationship with decisions, which I'm still in process of. It's ongoing. But I think that's an underestimated thing.
0: Absolutely. And so the the biggest thing for you to look at and not you, Jessica, but anyone listening, is that uh, look at your language. Are you a sort of, kind of, I don't know, whatever you want type of person? It's kind of like, I don't want to commit to a decision or I don't want to disappoint someone by making the decision. And we can get decision fatigue, especially if you're boss women listening and you're just ready to lay it down. And you're like, I make decisions all day at work. I want to come home and not have to make decisions in my life. So I feel that. I am, I definitely feel that as a as a woman that's definitely in her masculine most of the day or you know just kind of feels like I skew more on the dominant side of things so I feel that and. Oh my God, I love when I'm I'm just decisive. Because if you've ever been around women that are fully in their feminine, it's just a bunch of people going, well, whatever you want. I mean, it's fine. Do you want it there? I mean, if that suits you. And it's like somebody has to come in and this is why we're all masculine and feminine energy. It's not about having a man present. That somebody has to say, okay, so decided we're going to put it here. OK, because it's never going to end up where it needs to go if we're all just like, hey, listen, you go first. No, you go first. I don't need to go first. You go first. Somebody has to go first. We can't both walk through the door at the same time unless the door frame's wide enough for both of us. So it's important that we get to a place where we understand that making a decision, and this is powerful too, saying no to something is saying yes to yourself, right? So like if I can say no to you, then I have the ability to honor how I feel. And that is powerful, but it's hard for us sometimes because we want to be people pleasers. I don't want to let that person down. I don't want to say no to them. I want to help them. You know, I had somebody reach out to me recently and was like, hey, can I, I need a favor. And I didn't know them very well for them to be asking the favor they were asking. It was a lot. And I felt bad because I didn't want to say no, but I didn't, the the yes felt wrong. So I had to say no to them just to honor myself, even though I didn't want to be the person that couldn't, say yes to them, if that makes sense. But I, what I realized is it wasn't saying yes to them. It was saying yes to me. Mm -hmm. And so like it was, it it was saying yes to me by saying no to them. And so you have to, that's kind of a way that you can get a win-win where you're like, okay, this is a yes for me and a no
1: to them because it's a yes for me. Oh my gosh. This is so good. We might have to do part three because I'm like, we haven't (laughs) even talked about people pleasing and there's so many things we can dig into. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Tell us where we can find you and what it's like to work with you. The best place
0: to find me is uh, Instagram. I have a podcast. I want to talk about this because I haven't talked about it enough. I have a podcast called The Mental Advantage Podcast, and it's all about interviewing athletes, former athletes, people around the sports world about their journey through sport and their perspective on mindset and the mental game. So while you may not be an athlete, you may not be interested in athletics, there's a lot of lessons through that process, okay? Secondly, you can find me on Instagram at at which I know Jessica is gonna put in the show notes, as well as uh, my website, BrynDrescher.com forward slash speaking, I do speak, so if you need to hire me to come speak somewhere, that would be great. And to work with me, you can work with me either one-on-one or you can work with me uh, in group coaching environments, okay, typically, yes, right now I am focused on athletes, but I have had people say, do you only work with athletes? Well, it depends. Obviously I'm going to want to talk to you, find out if we're a right fit. The young lady that reached out to me ended up not working with me, but we had a great conversation because, you know, I definitely will make sure that this is the right fit for both of us. And so ultimately what it's like to work with me is I'm going to, we're going to go through my five step process. We're going to find out where you're stuck and I'm going to help you get unstuck. But with my athletes, and with my athletes, I just take them through the process of becoming more self-aware, more self-directed, more self-led so that wherever they're standing in the way of their achievement to, you know, to their goals of going the highest that they want to go in their sport, I help them get clear on that,
1: articulate
0: it, and move out of
1: the way. Awesome. And I'm going to link all of your stuff below. And it's time for the closing questions. Ooh. So... Yeah, you'll get like slight revisions on them since you're a returning guest. So for the question about the name of the show, The Art of Speaking Up, what is one thing that you would want to message to someone who still doesn't quite feel confident in their voice and in speaking up?
0: I don't know if I said this last time, but this has been something I've been talking about a lot lately. So I'm just going to speak to it because that's what comes up for me. I like the word up in speaking up. Every time you use your voice, you call someone else up. Because no matter how articulate you may think I am or gifted or Jessica from listening to her podcast and be so awed by the fact that she has umpteenth amount of episodes and just is, you know, killing the game, there is someone that you can reach that we can't. There's someone that you can minister to that just doesn't matter. They're they're not gonna hear me. They're gonna hear you. My encouragement is, is that you owe it to yourself. And to those people that you may never meet, and maybe you don't feel led, right? If you don't feel led, if you don't feel called by what I'm saying, then that's fine. But in you speaking up, you know, you're calling up something inside of you and you're calling someone else up as well, because in you taking that step to show up more fully, you are being an example for someone else that inspires them. And so that's why I like the word up in that is because it's speaking up. You're speaking to the highest level of them, not the level they may be resonating at. And so by you taking that step out of your comfort zone, someone else will be led to do the same. And so I think it's just really important when you speak up to know that you're calling yourself and those around you up to a higher
1: level. I love it. You're the first person who's pointed that out. And I love that so much. Nice. for the final question... This was inspired by what inspired the show, which is just a time in my life and my career where I wasn't feeling very confident and really struggling to find my voice. What is something that you want someone to hear who is just trying to feel more confident, more empowered, believe in themselves, maybe get out of like a dark or stuck place?
0: We sort of already said it, but this too shall pass. And I know like everybody says there's these cliche sayings, right? And so I get that. What I want you to recognize is, is that you have developed an identity that has you stuck. And so when you decide, and I know this is, this goes back to hundred percent responsibility for your life. Life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you respond to it. I get it. Like I told you, I'm a, you know, I was in foster care for, from five to eight. Okay. I am, you know, a child sexual abuse survivor. So I've had the the dark night of the soul, so to speak. But the one thing that I recognize is to whom much is given, much is expected. And so what that means is there's a calling on you. And so you're just being developed for something greater because of what you're going through and moving through. And I think it's important to understand that you're moving, even though you may feel like you're standing still, there is momentum happening. It may not be happening at the pace you want it to. It may not be going, uh, you know, in the direction you feel it should. But the thing is, because you have gone or are going through this and will eventually get to the other side, you will be able to serve someone or something at a greater level. And once you recognize that that this is just something that i'm going through that's developing me because that's how the gifts are born through the you know it's sort of like glass transforms you know liquid liquid hardens into steel or glass you know uh comes from really hot liquid and then hardens you know same thing into glass or whatever it has to be you know heated up to this high temperature to make it transform we recognize that We have to go through the heat and the fire to become this beautiful piece of art that we're gonna be on the other side. And so all this is is you're just going through something so that something can be birthed or born in you that's going to serve you and everyone around you at a deeper and higher and better level.
1: Oh, that was mind blowing. Thank you so much, Brynn. You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning into this conversation with Bryn. I'm so happy that I had her back. It was really fun to keep digging into mindset and get all of her thoughts and expertise. And I am going to drop Bryn's contact info in the show notes so that you you can find her work and get in touch with her and follow her. And a big thanks to Bryn for coming on the show. And a big thanks to you for listening. I am so pumped about next week's episode. It's a solo, and I'm sharing a surprise announcement, so make sure to tune in next week. And if you would like to get in touch with me, if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, or you just want to say hi and let me know that you're listening to the podcast, which I love so much, you will find my contact information in the show notes as well. You'll find my email my IG and links to my coaching website, and I want to thank you for being here, and I really want to encourage you to think about taking this conversation and taking any pieces that resonated with you and finding ways to put them into action at work. I know I'm always selling you on like putting the things that you learn here into action because that is where the magic happens. That is where the change happens. That is where this goes from content and a podcast and entertainment to an agent and a catalyst for your transformation it's when you build that bridge from listening to this to being like what might i do differently and oh my gosh when you start to build that bridge so much magic happens and i really want that spark and that magic to start to happen for you so just reflect and think about was there anything here that stood out to you was there anything in this conversation that you feel like applies to your professional situation? And if so, what is something you might want to try differently next time? So much power can come from that. All right, I'm going to sign off. Thank you so much for listening. It's a pleasure to have you. I will catch you next week. Have an amazing day.